Okay. This is the fifth time starting our first podcast. It's the fourth time. It's going real fucking well at this point. All right. George has already got the name of the podcast wrong. got the name of the podcast wrong. Jesus Christ. All right. We're going to do Who Put Balor in the Witch Elm? So on the 18th of April, 1943, four local boys, Robert, Thomas, Bob and Fred, were all poaching eggs. In Hagglewood. The poaching eggs. <laughs> They're, They're not poaching like, wait, not how do you how do you how do you poach eggs? I think Okay, so let me get this right. You poach eggs, you go up to a chicken and just grab the eggs off them. That's probably poaching, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Not like when you boil the eggs. Oh. Jesus. Is this poaching or bird nesting? I think they're just stealing eggs. Poaching or bird nesting. Well, which one is it? Fucking <laughs> <Like> both. <laughs> um, anyway, they're in the fucking forest and they were trying to find bird eggs. Um, Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Why not? It's our podcast. We'll do what we want. That's it. That's it. All right. They came across a large witch elm. Um, Bob attempted to climb the tree to investigate. As he climbed, he glanced down into the hollow trunk and discovered a skull. At first, he believed it to be that of an animal, but after seeing human hair and teeth, he realised that he'd found a human skull. I wonder what animal he was thinking of. Like, it's, 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 it's obviously a human's in the end, so what animal, yeah, what animal like, skull could... Yeah, what animal could in trees? Like, I don't know, was it a fucking giant or some shit? I don't know. <laughs> He's like Animals. Narnia. <laughs> yeah, fuck, you never know, you never know. Oh, my God. Never um, know. Uh, as they were on the land illegally, Bob put the skull back and all four boys returned home without mentioning their discovery to anybody. However, on returning home, the youngest of the boys, Thomas, felt uneasy about what he had witnessed and decided to report the finding to his parents. Which he would. Like, if he found a skull, would he be like, Mom? Well, if you did find a skull, you'd probably say something, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> okay, guys, guess what I found. Um, when police trekked the chunk of the tree, they found an almost complete skeleton with a shoe, a gold wedding ring, and some fragments of clothing. The skull was valuable evidence in that it still had some tufts of hair and had a clean dental pattern, despite missing some teeth. After further investigation, the remains of a hand were found some distance from the tree. Decapitation of the hand you would have seen, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I got this body from the fucking hand. I don't know. Was that a spoiler alert? I don't know. I actually don't know the story, guys. So <laughs> I don't <bear> with us. <laughs> I don't think it's a spoiler. Uh, the body was sent for a forensic examination by Professor James Webster. He quickly established that it was that of a female who'd been dead for at least 18 months, placed in the time in or before October 1941. Webster also discovered a section of taffeta in her mouth, suggesting that she had died from suffocation. Fuck, that'd suck. Look, I'm not going to pretend I know what taffeta is. It's like a material. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Imagine I that knew one. that. This is for the viewers at home. <laughs> Just making sure you guys know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this bitch got like taffeta stuffed in her mouth and then she got stuffed in a tree and died. So she just got stuffed in the end. <laughs> yeah, she got stuffed. <laughs> Uh, from the measurement of the trunk in which the body had been discovered, he also deducted that she might have been placed there still warm after the killing as she could not have been... Oh, my God. She could have not fitted once rigor mortis had taken hold. You know what rigor mortis is? Yeah, a bit stiff there. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Police could tell from the <laughs> items found with the body that the woman had looked like, but with so many people... Uh, what the woman had looked like... There were so many people reported missing during the war. Records were too vast for a proper identification to take place. They cross-referenced the details they had with reports of missing persons throughout the region. <laughs> oh, shit. 
but none of them seemed to match the evidence. In addition, they contacted dentists all over the country since the dentistry was quite distinctive. Dun, dun. Um, <laughs> get sued if we more and more. <laughs> um, in 1944, a graffiti message related to the mystery appeared on the walls in Upper Dean Street, Birmingham, writing, Who put Ballard down the witch am? Haggle Wood. This led investigations... Oh, my God. This led investigators down several new leads, tracing who Bella could have been. Other messages in the same hand appeared, too. Since at least the 1970s, the graffiti has sporadically appeared on Haggle Optelik, near where the woman's body was discovered. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dun, dun. We're getting demonetized for sure for that. Yep. Um, Where the body was discovered... um, which are the slightly modified who put Bella in the witch elm. Are you ready for the theories? Shoot. You know you love a good Shoot. theory, love the, love you the fucking theory. foil hat. <laughs> Tin foil hat. Tin Thank foil you very hat. much. Sorry. Um, in a radio pro- program first broadcast in August 2014, Steve Punt suggested two possible victims. One possible victim was reported to the police in 1944 by Birmingham prostitute. By a Birmingham prostitute. Just one. Just one. Just the one <laughs> prostitute. I think you have to call them sex workers. They're sex workers. Yeah. Well, it's, if it's sex workers, it should just be one. Should we be you politically correct oh, in this? No, or? I, I don't know. It depends on the viewers. I don't even know who we're targeting anymore. Uh, in the report, she stated that another prostitute called Bella, who had wa- worked on Haggle Road, had disappeared about three years previously. The name Bella or Lou Bella suggested the graffiti artist was probably aware of the identity of the victim or of the killer. Or was a killer. Or was, or was the he, killer. Was she he, killed was herself, he? stuffed herself in a tree, and then cut her own Fuck, talking about off. a plot twist. Fucking talk, talk about a plot twist. <laughs> the second possibility came from a statement made to the police in 1953 by Una Mossop, in which she said that her ex-husband Jack Mossop had confessed to family members that him and a Dutchman called Van Rout had put... Uh, the woman in the tree. Mossop and Van Rout met for a drink at the Lichland. I'm going to fuck up so many words in this. This should be fun. Look for, that, for, for, those, for those that are listening, uh, tuning in, <laughs> if, you, if you hear any scratching on the door, that's, that's, that's <laughs> the dog. Pepper. That's the dog. Little Pepper the Papa that's trying to join the podcast. Um, anyway, they met for a drink at a pub. Um, later that night, Mossop said the woman became drunk and passed out while they were driving. The men put her in the hollow tree in the woods in the hope that in the morning she would wake up and be frightened into seeing the error of her ways. Fucking wankers. Oh, she's drunk. Better stuff her in a tree so she learns. No, well, well she, I think she learned. You she hope, learned you, her lesson. You'd hope so. She's learned herself. Um, Jack Mossop was confined to a Statford mental hospital because he had reoccurring dreams of a woman staring at him from a tree. Ooh. Spookier. That's creepy. Uh, he died in the hospital before his body, before the body in the witch elm was found. The likelihood of this being correct. Oh, so he was having these genes before she was found. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Fuck, that's the nuts. likelihood of this being correct. That is nuts. The correct explanation is questioned because Una Mossop did not come forward with did you say, information. Did you, say, did you say she was a witch? No, it's a witch elm tree. Oh, it's a witch elm tree. Yeah. Oh, I know. Is there a correlation there? I wonder, I wonder. She might be a witch. Um, another theory p- comes from an M15 declassified file about Joseph Jacobs. Jacobs is with a K. Oh, threw me off a little bit. It's a bit, bit annoying there. you got to make it a C there, mate. Yeah, you 
No case. You'll see. No case. Don't be difficult. <laughs> um, the last man to be put to death in the Tower of London on the 5th of August, 1941. An Abu- Abuwa agent? I don't know. Everyone can fucking fill in the blanks. They know. The you can work out that They word. know the fucking story. Um, How's this spell? We'll spell it me off them. A-B-W-E-H-R. Yeah, you just can work that out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, 1941, but broke his ankle when landing and was soon arrested by the home guard. Uh, on his person, found a photo. Perpetu- fuck me. Found a photo of his lover, a German cabaret singer, an actress named Clara Burley. Jacob said that she was being trained as a spy and that he had made contact. She might have been sent over to England after him. However, there is no evidence that Clara was parachuted into England. I think I missed something. One of the theories is was that she was a spy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> fucked up my coffee and paste there. Yeah, one of the theories is no plagiarism. No plagiarism. We, yeah, we, we don't copy I got and paste. We talk information about. from the Wikipedia page. Um, as do most people, so don't care. Um, yeah, one of the theories was she was a spy and she got parachuted and her parachute fucked up yep. and she landed in the tree and died. That's what, okay. But it doesn't explain. Did she like parachute? Do we know? It's just a theory. Okay. But like, how I've did, got theories too. How did the hand get cut off? And if how you did got, she if get you guys want to hear my conspiracy theories, 100 <laughs> likes. And, you know, just like pass on this and we'll give you a full episode of my conspiracy theories. That's all it. I think that's it. Yeah, there's some more conspiracy theories, but they're the like main ones that I've heard. There was one that she was like a spy and they put her in a car because she was drunk. That's the one that I heard. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah. In 1953, another theory surfaced, namely that Bella was a Dutch woman named Clarabella Dronkers, killed by a German spy ring consisting of a British officer, a Dutchman, and a music hall artist for knowing too much. Available records and evidence were unable to support the story. Oh, so that didn't really need to be in there because it's wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the little short story of who put Bella in the witch elm. There you go. There you go. Still unsolved. Oh, I actually haven't given my name yet, by the way, guys. You just can work that out for yourselves. That's George. Hi. <laughs> Um, so the story we're, well, the second one we're going to do at least, because we've done the first one, now we're going to elect to do a second one. How we've come out, well, we've pretty much pulled out 16 names from a hat. Or how many names were in the hat? I think 18. 18. 18 18 It was about 18. Put them them in a hat, grabbed one each. And that's pretty much the side of where we start. So, (laughs) for for you all, (laughs) I don't quite know if there's a name to the story, but the bloke's name. And we use bloke in Australia. If you're listening in America, bloke is just another way of saying guy. FYI. So, um, Phyllis was born in Jacksonville, Florida on March 17, 1984. What story are you doing, you fucking idiot? Josh Phillips. <laughs> Josh. Joshy. Joshy. Yeah, Joshy's a bit of a fuckwit, so. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> His father, Steve Phillips, had dominated or dominated. Probably has if I read through the story first. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> and so it turns he has dominated his wife and son with. Oh, okay, that helps if you read on as well. <laughs> so Steve, Steve Phillips had dominated his wife and son with a violent temper. In Too Young to Kill, 15 Shocking Crimes, Josh stated that at one point in his life, he walked into his parents' room and saw his father's fist smash through a wall, which made him terrified of his father. 
Steve gave his son strict rules and was also a drug addict and alcoholic. A drug addict? A drug <laughs> drug addict. Drug fucking can't speak today, can we? Drug. Wow. <laughs> I, think, I think we just pulled the pin and start tomorrow. <laughs> Fuck. On November 3, 1998, at around 5pm, Maddie Clifton disappeared. The first suspect was a neighbour who was arrested twice between 15 and 20 years earlier for sexual assault cases. But charges were dropped in both incidents. The neighbour failed a lie detector test. Firstly, lie detector test. I don't think they do them as much these days. They because aren't they're, admissible in court. Yeah. Now, it's like it, lie detectors are fucking nothing. Yeah, because I, I think there's like psychopaths or something like that out there that can actually get it's, away. It's based off how your fear. Yeah, so, like, as a heart rate as well yeah, or something like that. So yeah, so if you're like yeah. me walking around High Point, just put, I'd fucking fail it. Also, for the uh, high, high Point is the shopping centre for those. It's oh, like, yeah, we we call them shopping centres here in America. <laughs> you, just them, you, just, you just call them malls. America's not that retarded. <laughs> Where were we? Hey. We're going on a bit of a tangent here. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll uh, get better, guys. The neighbour failed a lie detector test in relation to Maddie's disappearance, but provided an alibi. The police decided to call off the search for Maddie, but the community, including over 400 volunteers, persisted. A reward was offered initially $50,000, but was later doubled, so... Hundred thousand. So that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of um. It's a lot of Good Friday nights. <laughs> <laughs> to find a missing kid. <laughs> the FBI later became involved in the case. Flies were distributed around town, including at a local Jaguars Bengals game. The TV series America's Most Wanted also offered to broadcast the story. A good story. The search ended a week later after the disappearance when Philip's mother Melissa. Went to clean his room and found that his waterbed seemed to be leaking. That's never good when you have a leaking waterbed in dun the first dun. place. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Upon further examination, she discovered Matt's body hidden inside the base of the waterbed. It's been interesting. There was a, um, there's like, she didn't just found, find it. She's like, oh, this part of the bed's like wonky. So mm. she opened it. She's like, oh, there's a sock in there. And she grabbed the sock and Fuck. obviously there was a foot in crazy. the sock. That is crazy. And yeah. Well, it was a foot like decapitated. No, it was connected to, to Maddie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Maddie was like oh, under fuck. his bed. There you go. Spoiler alert. There it's fucking go. Maddie's body under there, there guys. <laughs> All right. She promptly ran outside her home and went across the street to get to the police. Phillips was arrested later that day at his school and was held in maximum security as he made his first court appearance. Imagine that. Just like, hey, picking up from early from school. <laughs> You're arrested for <laughs> fucking killing your neighbour. No, especially if you didn't do it. I don't know. Did he do it? We'll find out. We'll find out. No, he fucking probably did the cunt. Yeah. <laughs> also in Australia, we say cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll hear fuck and cunt. American, oh, I know Americans, you don't like the word cunt, so I apologise. So, we might bleep this out. <laughs> no, we're not. You can live with it. Sorry, America. She promptly ran outside her home and went across the street to get the police. Phyllis was arrested later that day at his school and was held in maximum security as he's made his first court appearance. It was determined that Clifton's cause of death was due to the stabbing and clubbing with a baseball bat. Phillips stated that the event happened when he was home alone at <laughs> home alone and Maddie. You know, Matt, Maddie. What? Nah, we'll probably have to cut that bit out. <laughs> Home alone and Maddie. Home alone, Maddie McCann. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do her as well. 
Oh shit. Man, people would be fucking fuming if they heard that. People don't like unpredictable correctness. <laughs> yeah, let's keep that in. <laughs> I don't know how to edit that well, so that's gonna stay in there. Okay, so Maddie was home alone. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> Where the fuck? Hold up, hold up, hold up. I'll read that part <laughs> again. Philip stated that the event happened when he was home alone and Maddie came to his house asking him to. T- t- <laughs> Still on the first page. <laughs> it's not that long. Like, this is the whole story. I'll do that part again. <clears throat> Positive phase. <laughs> Philip stated that the event happened when he was home alone and Maddie came to his house asking him to come outside and play baseball. Phillips agreed, even though he was not allowed to have friends over while his parents were not home. As the two were playing baseball, Maddie threw the ball at him and he hit it, as you do when you play baseball. Yeah. Which causes the ball to hit Maddie's eye. Fair play. Oh. She, she then began to bleed, cry, and scream. Harden up. Harden up, Maddie. Harden up, Maddie. Oh, God. I need a pop filter for you, Maddie. <laughs> I'm about to eat the fucking microphone. <laughs> Philip stated that the event happened when he was home alone. I feel like I swear <laughs> I just... <laughs> he just did that line. Fuck. Knowing that his father would be home soon. Phil was panicked, fearing his father's reaction when he got home, so he decided to drag Maddie into his house and took her to his room where he proceeded to strangle her with a phone cord for approximately 15 minutes. Devastating. Devastating. Soon after, he hit her again with a baseball bat and stuffed her under the base of his bed. So that's, is that the water bed? Yeah. That's the water bed. There you go. Put it one on one together here, guys. <laughs> when Josh's father returned home... Uh, don't know what that was. <laughs> it's Maddie's ghost. <laughs> Wait, where'd the Jim Beams come from? They fell. <laughs> Alright. Fuck. Where the fuck was I? <laughs> His dad came home. Bottom of the first page. Okay. When Josh's father returned home. Is that yep. that one? Yep. When Josh's father returned home, he went to interact with him for a while and returned to his room. When he discovered that Maddie was still alive, moaning under his bed, he then removed the mattress and stabbed her 11 times, killing her. That's pretty full on. Yeah. That is pretty full on. Like hit her with a bat. That's then crazy. strangled her. That is crazy. Then stabbed her. Like, oh, don't you just hate it when people message you at the wrong times? We should probably put our friends on silent. Oh, right. Where the hell are you? Look, mate, I'm doing a murder podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Philip's trial was held in Polk County, Florida, and he was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He was not eligible for the death penalty since he was under 16 when he committed the murder. While the auto- autopsy did not reveal any sexual assault, Matty's body was found naked from waist down. And Phillips stated that her clothes came off when he dragged her body into his room. How convenient is that? I don't know if it says it, but when they found her, it was like her body and then behind her body, her shorts and her underwear were like folded next to her. Far out. So I was like, so if they came off that was when him. you were dragging you'd her. So. You'd think he would have done that. Yeah. Uh, Fuck it. 
the murder appears to have been motivated by Philip's fear of his abusive and alcoholic father, who would have been very angry if he had found Maddie in the house. Alive. Like, Alive. imagine finding her <laughs> dead. Like, wouldn't that be worse? <laughs> Philip stated on the TV program, too young to kill, 15 shocking crimes, that if he could take it back, he would subsequently break it down to tears. No, oh, you fuck up once. You fucked up, mate. <laughs> yeah, like, you fucked up real you, hard. Like, there's fucking up and then there's fucking up. Surely, like, finding a kid in your backyard is a lot less worse than finding your neighbour murdered under yeah, your son's that's, bed. that's pretty full on, isn't it? Yeah. Phillips attended Blackstone Career Institute, a distance learning program, and graduated with a paralegal degree in 2007. He works as a paralegal, helping, uh, helping other inmates with their appeals. Sometime after the trial, Maddie Clifton's parents, Steve and Shyla? Sheila. Sheila. That's for those in America. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila or Sheila? <laughs> so anyway, they were, they, were, they were divorced after 25 years of marriage. In 2000, Philip's father, Steve, was killed in a car accident. Jesus. Fuck. In 2002, an appeals court upheld Philip's conviction. In December 2004... Melissa Phillips began to seek a new trial for her son, noting that his young age at the time of the murder should have carried more weight in his sentence. In 2005, new hearing dates were set for Phillips. In 2008, two of the officials behind his sentence, State's Attorney Harry Shortstein and Sheriff Nat Glover, confirmed their belief that Phillips deserved a jailer's sentence. Pepper, please. <laughs> Pepper, please. Bobby wants to come in. I've lost my train of thought. Um... Uh, jail. jail sentence. <laughs> uh, confirm. Yeah. <laughs> I've read that full sentence, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. In 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that senten- sentencing juveniles to manda- mandatory life in prison without parole is unconstitutional. It was unclear at the time if Phillips' attorney would seek resentencing. In November 2015, Phillips' attorneys were considering the Supreme Court ruling as a basis to file a resentencing hearing. In September 2016, after Phillips' attorneys successfully appealed the court, he was granted a new sentencing hearing as a result of retroactive application of the Supreme Court's ruling, which declared his current sentence, mandatory life in prison without parole. (laughs) They make these words really annoying for you, don't they? Unconstitutional. (laughs) It's a tongue tie. It is a tongue tie. Unconstitutional for juvenile offenders. A resentencing date was initially set for February 2017. <laughs> in February 2017, Phillips' lawyers, or lawyer, there's only one of them, <laughs> asked for more time to prepare and subsequently a new sentencing hearing was set for June 2017. At the hearing, Clifton's mother requested that his sentence be upheld on November 17, 2017. Phillips was re life in prison, but is eligible for parole in 2023. So much for the resentencing to life in prison. Court system's fucked. Yeah, it's only like three years away. There you go. So that's the Josh Phillips story for you. I don't think he'll get out. No. Nah. Oh, you'd like to think not. Yeah. I know a lot of podcasts have been like, oh, I think he changed. Like, he was, how old was he when he did it? Oh, no, I have no doubt people would change. He was born in 84, so he's like 30 something now. Oh. Tricky one. Tricky, tricky. What was it? 80. <laughs> Just quick math. <laughs> So it happened in 1998, and he was born in 1984. He was 14. He's 14. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, yeah, I'll allow it. You'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Just leave me out. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave me out. 
Because, yeah, I don't know, like, some people... I don't know, might fucking do it again, though. Maybe if, like, yeah, there's kids. A, there's, there's, I don't know. Gets out. It's a strange one. It's a strange one. Gets out. He's like, I'm going to get a water bed. It's good for a case study for those that study legal. I do not. I do not study legal. Yeah. Well, that was our first episode. That was the first episode. We're still on. Yeah. Okay, mate. Yeah, that was the first episode. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Like, we just picked up the microphones today, did two trips to High Point or the mall. The mall. The mall, as you would call in America. But, uh, yeah. Fucking share this around. Yeah, like and share, share like, and like, and, like and subscribe, like and subscribe, fucking retweet. Oh, I don't care what you do. Have we got a proper name for it? Um, I think we'll just call it Crime Queen. We'll call it Crime Queen. I'm, I'm just a special guest. I think today I don't know what I am. <laughs> I don't know what I am. What do you identify uh, as? I don't know. It's 2020. We w- we kind of worked that shit out later on. <laughs> what you identify oh, no. as? I don't know. When I'm 70, I'll know who I am. Fuck the vino. Do you identify <laughs> as, a, as a cucumber? <laughs> Oh, sometimes I'm a bit of cucumber, sometimes a bit of a potato. <laughs> Fucking potato. potato. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> dun dun.